You are listening to the Sideline SaaS Podcast, episode 61, Still Making Fullbacks Great Again. In this episode of the podcast, I am joined by two NFL fullbacks who helped me dispel the rumor that the fullback is dead and share about their respective football journeys. First up, Cleveland Browns fullback Johnny Stanton talks about his transition from quarterback to fullback, his experience in LA at the Super Bowl, and his off-the-field Dungeons and Dragons hobby. Later, I am joined by recently re-signed Kansas City Chiefs fullback Mike Burton, who talks us through the four-phase fullback life, shares what advice he would go to Tyron Matthew for, and stands firm on the take that New Jersey pizza is better than New York pizza. Ooh. But first, some housekeeping stuff. Hey guys, Emily Van Buskirk here. Welcome to the Sideline Sass Podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the Sassness. The Sideline Sass Podcast is generally produced every two weeks just for you, and the show notes can be found on the episode page at Spreaker.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and feel free to rate and review. Let your girl know how she's doing. If you feel like getting social as well as sassy, make sure to follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Sideline Sass with three S's. Or if you're more like my mom, go ahead and like the show on Facebook. If you like what you hear and you want to see more, check out the website www.sidelinesasswith3ss.com for more sports content. And feel free to follow the SAS on my personal account at Emilnem, E-M-I-L-N-E-M on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you didn't write all that down, I got you. All those links and handles can be found in the show notes. Now, let's get sassy with some people. All right, guys, we are back with a long-awaited, highly anticipated episode of the Sideline Sass podcast. It's been a while and I apologize, you know, life kind of took its time getting me through the season, through the Super Bowl and everything, but I am so excited to be back with this episode, focusing on one of my favorite things in the whole entire world, fullbacks. And to kick off the episode, I am having Johnny Stanton, fullback for the Cleveland Browns on with me. How are you doing, Johnny? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Now, we managed to cross paths at the Super Bowl. People thought there weren't fullbacks at the Super Bowl. Well, there were. <laughs> there were fullbacks. And at the event that we met at, which was this really awesome gifting suite um, in Hollywood, you were not the only fullback there. There were three of you guys. I saw that. Yeah, you, you got to meet, uh, you know, dang near uh, a whole fraction of us. <laughs> I know. Of us or so. there's, there's, there's only so many in the league. I know. And, and my fans and, and listeners know that if there were fullbacks in vicinity, I would find them. But the funny thing about it is I was able to meet you and, and such a great, you know, you and your fiance look like you had so much fun. Um, and it was cool to meet. But then I got to meet Gabe Neighbors, who was with the Chargers, and then run into Keith Smith. What an incredible representation for a game at the Super Bowl that had no, no fullbacks in it on either team. Was it cool to be down there and experience all the stuff in L.A. that they had going on for the Super Bowl? Yeah, so I'm a Southern California native, native yes. so it was uh, pretty easy for me to be able to just go up there and, and go to a few events. Uh, that was one of the first ones. Um, the one we went to was really great, but there was so much happening that weekend. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you went to in the city, there was some kind of event going on. Uh, you, I'm, I'm sure people ran into a lot of football players, a lot of different <laughs> celebrities in, in, in town. Uh, LA is a big place, but it, uh, it got a lot smaller that weekend. That's for sure. It really did. And I didn't tell you this, but I actually saw you at the Lee Steinberg party as well. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Yep. That, how incredible was that event? And like on the lot there with all of the different items you could bid on. And I had to ask you, did you see any of those, you know, items that caught your eye that you maybe would have been on if you were in the mood? Um, I didn't see anything specifically. I thought what was cool about the Lee Steinberg party, since it was at the Sony lot, Mm -hmm. uh, was that there was a lot of, um, movie memorabilia there. So, uh, yeah, there's, there was a lot of really cool things over there, but, um, you know, going, I took actually film class in high school and we had, I had visited the Sony lot before, um, just taking a tour, um, when I was a senior in high school. So it was, uh, it was cool to be able to see it again. Um, you know, there's 
so much history that happened in that studio yeah. and, you know, a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of great movies made over there. It was crazy. And, and he did, you know, Lee Steinberg's incredible for what he does, not only for, you know, football, but for the players. I think the That's charity perfect. aspect of it was so cool to see these, these things auctioned off. I got to tell you, my, my partner almost went home with the Shaq shoe. Did you see there was, Oh, how cool. Yeah. There was I didn't a, see those at that one. No, it was a giant, it was just one of Shaquille O'Neal's shoes and it was huge. And I was like, Kim, what, how are you going to get this home? And like, what are you going to do with it? But she was like determined to try and win it. And she almost did. <laughs> I think it's a problem that you just figure out later because yeah. <laughs> how can you, how can you say no to that? It's true. She almost won. I was like, Oh God, what are we going to do? But very cool <laughs> event and, and very neat thing. Was any of your other teammates down there? Did you meet up with like other friends from other teams and, and have like little powwows and whatnot while, while you, you were there? Oh man, there was so much happening and I was on such a crazy schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, <laughs> I talked to my agent afterwards. She's like, you, you, you made it to pretty much everything. Like I was very <laughs> impressed. Like nobody, everybody kind of just feels it out and you went to like everything. I'm like, well, yeah, like, you know, if you're, if you're going to make, make a schedule for me, I'm going to follow it. Nice. Um, so I didn't really get to see a whole lot of my teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a couple of my teammates ended up being at that one, um, that one event that we met at. I think mm-hmm. Anthony Walker ended up over yeah. there. Uh, maybe one or two other guys. Um, but yeah, I don't think I saw anybody in, in LA when I was, uh, from Cleveland, um, when I was over there, yeah. uh, but I did get to see a couple different people. I, I saw a couple of people that I've worked out with, um, a couple, you know, one guy who's going into the league right now. So, uh, a lot of cool events. Um, and, uh, hopefully I get the chance to be able to do, uh, hopefully I don't have to go to, go to any more of those. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to be in the game. Yeah, it's exactly. Hopefully you're, you're there, you know, you're not, although I did see a couple of guys on the down low from teams that were involved in that actual Super Bowl game that attended events kind of quietly, which I thought, you know, who's going to judge a guy for wanting to get the whole experience, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I I was, I was happy to see that, but okay. So you talk about one of the big things, you know, once we met and obviously we're going to talk about fullbacks as a position and as a culture and all that, because that is a big thing. Um, but prior to that, you know, you talk about growing up in LA and California or in that area in California and I wanted to touch a little bit on your journey. You know, there's a lot of players, especially from California, and this is what I'm really interested in is, you know, California has a lot of great talent, especially coming out of high school, but it's not, in my opinion, and and correct me if I'm wrong, overly, you know, um, recruited outside of Pac-12 schools, which I know you had a couple offers from those kinds of schools. What was your experience like being recruited from, you know, California itself and and talking to schools like in the Big Ten or in the SEC or anywhere out there? Yeah, so coming out of high school, I ended up recru- um, getting recruited to a few different schools mm-hmm. and committing to University of Nebraska. Yeah. Um, I was in a the situation where I was a I was playing quarterback um, in high school and was going to college as a quarterback. Yeah. So I w- and I was uh, uh, a, a mobile quarterback. So I you know I had to go to a school that was going to be able to foster that. Right. Um, and those were mainly the schools that I ended up visiting. My top three ended up being Oregon, Wisconsin, and Nebraska. And okay. my my choice for Nebraska was like almost very much like a comfort reason, like how I felt like they really wanted me over there. Mm-hmm. But it's, as far as far as recruiting goes from the area um you know i didn't have a I, I think i did get offered from from san diego state okay but um the the only pac-12 schools that offered me a quarterback was cal oh uh, okay and that was actually just i think they offered me like a day before jared goff committed <laughs> uh, so i think it was more of like a come on jared like we're willing to offer other guys but we really want you i can tell they really they wanted jared over there for good reason. <laughs> yeah you know, can you imagine how different life would be like that's it, do you ever think about that? Like if, if someone says no and then you end up a cow, like your trajectory of your career is different. Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of ways that things could have yeah. gone. Um, you know, I could have gone to Wisconsin or Oregon. Yeah. My sister ended up going to Oregon. So I thought it would have been really cool to be able to go there with her. Yeah. But, um, you know, the path that I took, um, got led me to where I, where I am now. Yeah. Like I transferred away from Nebraska and went to community college for a semester to try to get my, um, you know, my mojo back to try to get like my confidence at quarterback back. And, and that's, that's what happened. But then UNLV didn't go exactly like the way I planned right. and I ended up getting injured and didn't win the starting job my senior year. So, I'm sure all that's all stuff you're planning on, on bringing up, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I, your words are better than I could ask it. And, and <laughs> you know what I mean? Their journey. It's one that a lot of guys, you know, have gone through or will go through and, and 
to have the perseverance to keep going, you know, and finding your way, it's hard. Were there times that you were frustrated and wanted to, to hang it up or was that not ever an option? Um, I don't know if it was a, really ever an option before mm-hmm. college ended, but my senior year when I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I lost out on the starting job at quarterback, I decided that I didn't want to stay on the bench. I wanted to play some special teams. And mm-hmm. by the time the season was over, I played two games at linebacker, a couple games of special teams, ended up coming back to quarterback for, I think, three games. Yeah. And then my season's over, and I'm like, well, I guess my football career is over because I didn't really have much of a senior year to, to speak of. <laughs> so I didn't, uh, I, I ended up training for pro day just to see who would be interested. Yeah. And I'm glad that I, I'm obviously glad that I did because otherwise if it wasn't for that one decision, I, I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be in the NFL now. Yeah. That's crazy. And at what point, I mean, you have, I don't know if many people know about your you know prestigious quarterback history, but at what point, we always talk about on the podcast how fullbacks are kind of made. They're not necessarily born because it's it's not something that you kind of wake up and as a kid and say, I'm, I'm going to go be a professional fullback, right? Like that's my right. – and that's because fullbacks are unique and the kind of personality you have and the kind of person to be running towards a fire while everyone else is running away is, is a very special thing. But you find yourself in this position where you have to pivot – and how does the fullback position come up in this discussion of how you're going to get back out in the field? Well, it wasn't really part of my game plan at all. Yeah. Um, when I uh, when I decided I didn't want to they didn't want to stay on the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, my only thought was like, okay, maybe I'll be able to play some special teams. Yeah. And then the linebacker coach asked me to be able to play some linebacker, and that's you know really the only other position that I played besides quarterback and special teams. And so when the season was over, I was thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to train for pro day, um, a CFL team is interested in me at quarterback, so I'll keep on throwing the ball. Yeah. But I want to make sure that I'm you know giving myself a chance to succeed. I'm going to be in front of NFL scouts, so I might as well show them that I'm an athlete, that I'm a football player first and if that means that I'm not going to play quarterback to the next level which you know there's there's zero shot that with my college career that that's going to that, that's what's going to happen mm-hmm. I have to be able to, sh- to train at other positions and I figure you know my body type would work, may, might work well as a tight end okay so I started training at tight end um work working some uh blocking drills working yeah. some some routes but obviously you know not very much uh, in front of another person or like running routes on, on another person because you know and when you're working that off season stuff, you're really working with a coach. A lot of it's one on one. Right. Um, so when that pro day came and went, um, Minnesota invited me to to come to their uh, tryout at minicamp. Right. Their, their rookie minicamp, and I ended up performing well enough apparently to be able to get a chance to uh, get signed by them. Um, it was such a crazy thing. Like they asked me to stay a couple, like a day extra, um, after the minicamp was over, which I knew was a good thing. Yeah. They told me to go get a, a physical with, um, over at their, uh, their medical offices. And when I showed back up to the facility the next day, they said, okay, we're going to sign you. Uh, congratulations. You're on the Minnesota Vikings. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm a, you know, I apparently made a team that I was at a position that I have never played a game at before. Um, That's and then wild. When, yeah. So they throw me on the plane heading home and I look at Twitter and it says, we just signed fullback Johnny Stanton. I'm like, oh, and you're like, well, I guess I'm a fullback. <laughs> yeah. So time to learn a, a fourth position in one year. <laughs> that is crazy. And then, I mean, that's the wildest. Every fullback is a different story. And that is, in my opinion, that's got to be one of the wildest ones I've heard. But it's incredible, you know? And I, I'm curious, which of the other positions that you played, and this is probably an easy softball question, but which one is giving you the most insight to help you in that transition into a fullback? Because I would guess linebacker, given that a lot of linebackers convert into fullbacks. That's, you know, coaches look for that. But I'm curious, like, what the position of, you know, quarterback brings to your fullback, not like position now. Yeah. I'll be honest. When I was playing linebacker, I did not know what I was doing. (laughs) I was trying to learn it like, you know, before air force week. And I was just trying to learn their offense. And I didn't really learn any of our defense. Yeah. Um, So it was, uh, it was wild. Um, But honestly, quarterback, when you're playing quarterback, you know, you have to learn every other position. And even though we did have a fullback, I think that maybe helped me a little bit. Um, but I was always a downhill runner. I wasn't somebody who was a dual threat quarterback who was, had the speed to be able to run around guys. I was playing at 240, 250. Okay. Uh, you know, if, if contact was coming, I was, you know, ready to give the other guy a hit rather than just take it. Okay. There were two main things that I had to get used to. One was starting to, you know, decide to run into people rather than run away from people. <laughs> right. Um, 
And two, there's a there's a, a, a movement that obviously fullbacks do, but every I think every single position on the on the football field besides quarterback and kickers give a, a punch. You know, it's the it's the it's what linebackers do when they meet contact. It's what you know mm-hmm. anybody who's blocking does on the football field, and that's a that's a, a movement that I had never been trained at doing before. Okay. So that was the main thing that I really had to to learn was just like the little techniques. Yeah, absolutely. But just having a two-handed punch and strong and grab on. Mm-hmm. And that was like the main thing for me that I had to learn. That Okay. And that makes sense because it's not something, you know, that is taught, especially when you look at the position itself. There's no place for fullbacks. I mean, very few places have actual fullback coaches. You know, usually you guys are with the tight ends or, you know, you're with the running backs. And those are different skill sets, you know, that are melded into the position. But it's... That's very interesting to hear that. When you were at Nebraska, they had a fullback, right? They did. And that was actually uh, my teammate here um, with, in Cleveland, Andy Janovich. Oh, that's right. Uh, he, he was uh, he was the fullback there at Nebraska. That's crazy. And, um, uh, so, yeah, I got to be his teammate again when he, uh, when we both ended up in Cleveland. That's awesome. Oh, what if <laughs> it's like how things work out, right? It's crazy. Right. <laughs> you talked about dealing with the injury, you know, first, you know, when you're leave, when you're at Nebraska and then again at UNLV. Did that change kind of your having to go through those knee injuries? Did that change kind of your preparation? And how do you stay, you know, injury free, especially now when you're in such just a more high contact position? Um, it's, it's knowing your, um, kinesiology, your body movements, uh-huh. though, like the way that your body works and making sure that you don't put yourself in a position to get injured. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's being able to stay flexible. It's being able to work on specific movements that will <coughs> allow you to avoid injury. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of doing what you've done your whole life, just, you know, doing things in the correct way. You know, coaches will be able to recognize if you're doing something incorrectly, not only because they want you to do it better, but they want you to do it in a way that's safe for you to be able to continue to play. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the only NFL injury that I've had, I ended up having to miss um, this last year's game against the Steelers because I, I strained my calf, which is one okay. of the uh, very few soft tissue injuries that I've had in my career. Yeah. Uh, but my other injury came in 2018 with when I, ended up with the Vikings, our second preseason game, I ended up getting rolled up on and broke my ankle. Oh my God. Uh, nothing that could like I ever could have done anything about. I was having a great block, and then somebody from the backside just ended up landing on me and, yeah. and took me out. So, you know, free things like that will happen. Yeah. Um, you know, you try to avoid it, but there's nothing you can really do. If You know, if you play a certain amount of time in the NFL and you come out without an injury, then you are part of a very, very, very small minority. <laughs> right. Uh, so you just know that it's going to happen um, and you try to prepare for it and, and, and try to your best to avoid it because that's what's going to keep you healthy longer. But, uh, you know, it's it's always going to be there. Yeah, there's a, there will always be that. And it's how you bounce back, really, that, that creates your, your future and you scored your first touchdown against Denver recently what was that what was that like finally getting like fullbacks don't get there's no stats we talked about you know we talked about the fullback assist which is different but it's not a big stat position so what was that like you know getting that touchdown it was amazing (laughs) for one I'm glad that Dearness Johnson our running back who in in Cleveland is our third third running back and he was starting that that week Mm -hmm. I'm glad that he got his first touchdown in that game as well um because if I had got one for him I would have been so upset (laughs) I would have wanted I I would have wanted to lead him in the end zone you know Um, but he was uh he was able to score and then when coach called um uh called that play and I was open in in the in the flat yeah I it was just all such a rush um you know (laughs) much sweeter feeling than any other touchdown that I've had in as a quarterback. Um, there was something else, uh, yeah. a lot of, you know, guys coming up to me on the sideline celebrating with me. <laughs> like they, I think they knew just how uh, special it was. And I think they're just excited that a fullback scored a touchdown. <laughs> right. You guys deserve it. And, and to see it come full circle like that and, and not even have it be, you know, a run, t- I mean, catching a pass, like you said, in the flat to score that touchdown, that's, does that, make it extra special because it's like you're on the other side now you're not the one throwing it you're not running it in you're not blocking for somebody like you're you're catching a legitimate pass that's got to be kind of weird full circle right 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, being able to, you know, and not only that, but, you know, doing it in the NFL and yeah. finally spike the ball. Um, <laughs> I, I took my, absolutely took my chance. I grabbed that ball. I threw it in the ground as hard as I could. Nice. Um, but I do know if I ever get another touchdown, I am handing it to an offensive lineman so they get that same feeling. Oh, that's so nice. See, and that's the other thing is everybody talks about offensive linemen get no love, you know, and, and what they do is, is crazy important, but that's that's funny do you think they would are they ready to spike it though if you give it to them like have they are, are they going to be ready for that uh, if you if i hand them the ball they, they know what to do with they it. know okay <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be epic we're gonna have to watch out for that for sure all right well let's switch gears a little and talk about the fullback fraternity itself. Now, you are somewhat of a newish member to this position and to the club in the sense that, you know, you put, you transitioned more recently than other guys. Is there is it true first of all that that you guys look out for each other that, you know, you stay in touch with fullbacks from other teams and that there's this kind of fraternity within the NFL fraternity of at that position? Yeah, you know, we're all fighting for the same jobs, but we always want to see each other succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I might, you know, shout out to a guy on social media and, you know, congratulate him for, you know, a touchdown or a great play or, you know, something that goes under the radar that was really good. Um, and I, you know, I would I would be able to get the same thing from other guys. So um, I haven't met too many guys besides okay. the guys that I played with, um, but I'm excited to in the future. And, um you know, what was nice was actually uh, going back to recruiting a little bit. Mm-hmm. Derek Watt with the Steelers. I yeah. got to see him after our Steelers game. And he actually remembered me because I was um, I was given his phone number during recruiting uh, when he was at Wisconsin. Right. And I was getting recruited to Wisconsin. So he brought that up after the game. Like, man, I did not think that you would remember that. So <laughs> it was cool to be able to hear from that and uh, hear from him and, and, you know, know that he's keeping an eye out of me and, and uh, hoping that I do well. Just like I know that he, you know, I hope that he's doing well. So yeah. that's honestly throughout the league, you know, you know Fullbacks will just like quarterbacks will say hi to each other after a game. Fullbacks will be, will do the same. You know, I like being able to play against teams who uh, have a fullback on the roster because it gives me sometimes an opportunity to be able to trade jersey. And see, and and people are one of the biggest things people like to say about the position is that you know it's dead and it's not around anymore. And and college football killed it. How can you help me dispel these myths? And the, I mean, obviously your presence in and of itself is proof that that's not true, but what do you say to those people that try and say, well, NFL teams don't use them, you know, the spread killed it and, and, and whatnot, especially as a quarterback, you know how dynamic a fullback makes an offense and how much trouble that can present for a defense that has to prepare for what a fullback's going to do. So how would you respond to those people? The more personnel groupings that you can use during the, uh, in your game, mm-hmm. the more the defense has to focus on it during the week. So uh, if you run a lot of 21 personnel, the defense is going to have to take time away from your 11 personnel, your 12 personnel, to be able to learn those 21 personnel runs mm-hmm. uh, or passes. And full, fullback is just like any other position in the league where it is going it has to go through its changes. It has to go through its uh, adaptations, mm-hmm. its... Uh, different versions of itself because you know you look around the league not every fullback is shaped the same way can do the same things you're asked to do a lot of different things as a fullback you're asked to be a running back you're asked to be a wide receiver you're asked to be a tight end you're asked to be an offensive lineman sometimes uh, just in how much you're blocking being able to do as many things as possible is i think what a fullback what makes a, a very good fullback and that's right. not necessarily what the case in the fullback that was you know 40 to 20 years ago, right. um, just a downhill runner who's supposed to clear the way for the running back. Right. Uh, you know, now we're sometimes a third down running back, you know, who's in for in protection. Sometimes we'll line up in the slot. Sometimes we'll put our hand on the ground on the line of scrimmage as a tight end. So, the, so I think one of the most versatile positions on the football field is the fullback yeah. and more versatile you can be, you know, the more likely you're going to be having a job. The fullback position absolutely is not dead. There's about <laughs> two thirds of the team uh, teams in the NFL use it and, you know, use it, use them very well. Um, so I think uh, rumors of the death has, have been very greatly uh, exaggerated, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, I think I'm excited to see the, the resurgence of the fullbacks. I think it's coming. Yeah, right. It's like they never really left, but they they had to adapt or die in in the restructuring of of the modern offense. And I got to tell you, I I have become a bit obsessed with it ever since I spoke to Matt Drinkall, who's the tight ends coach at Army. He and I have gone back and forth about what happened to the fullback. and, And it's been, you know, he thinks it's the greatest you know, mislabeling of a position 
in this new formation because you look at when you open up the spread and, and you have this new air-heavy offense that we see a lot on the West Coast. You, the, the quarterback takes two steps back, the running back takes two steps to the side, and the fullback takes two steps and one at a diagonal, all of a sudden he's called an H-back, you know? And right. it's different, but it's still there, and they're still doing the same things, but they had to adapt and add on skill sets to survive in that world. But when you see a 600-pound or a 6-foot, 250-pound tight end, that's it's not a tight end, you know? <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so we've had so many. I appreciate you saying that because we're we're helping dispel the fallacy that fullbacks are in fact dead, um, which is my passion project. So I appreciate it. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about quickly before we wrap up about your other passions. All right, you are a very complex, dynamic person outside of football, and since I've been following you on Twitter, as everyone here on the podcast should. I've learned that big video game, and I don't. Is that the correct way to say it? you? You're a big video game guy, or is it specific? Well, video? I, I I like my video games. Okay. Uh, if you're I, if you're uh, referencing what I think you are uh, with <laughs> Dragons, yes. it's technically called a tabletop role playing game. Tabletop role playing because okay. it's a really art, really long like phrase. TTRPG works fine. TTRPG. Okay, so. I just learned something new there. I knew Dungeons and Dragons was a game. I did not realize of what sort it is. So how did you get into this world? Because it is a big cultural thing with the people in it. So how did you find your way there? Have you always been a D&D guy? No, I ended up finding it in college. I wanted to be able to, I guess, put my creativity in a certain way. Like, I'm not a very good artist. I'm not a very good writer. But this is a way for me to be able to, you know, express, you know, some of my nerdier aspects in a, in a fun <laughs> way. I found it because I was a regular at my local comic book shop. And okay. I love, you know, my, I love superhero comics. I love dramatic, dramatic comics. It's um, definitely another one of my hobbies. But um, D&D has uh, like definitely surpassed that in the last several years. Um, since 2017, when I got out and got into it, which mm-hmm. is kind of on the resurgence of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, everybody thinks it's like, oh, isn't that like an 80s game that they used to play? <laughs> Ranger Thing. Well, yeah, it is. That's like, that's kind of when it first became popular. Uh-huh. But uh, it's definitely hitting a, um, a major resurgence in the last uh, 10 years or so. You know, you have, you have celebrities, Joe Manganiello, Vin Diesel, mm-hmm. playing. Um, you have a show that on Amazon Prime from Critical Role, which is like the biggest show in, in Dungeons and Dragons that just came out on, on Amazon Prime called uh, The Legend of, Bo- Legend of Vox Machina. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's it's having it's definitely hitting its stride right now. Okay. And, um, you know, it's a it's a really fun way to be able to spend an afternoon with friends and uh, rolling dice and, you know, making funny voices. So th- and this is something you have to do in person like you. There's no way to do this like virtually. Not necessarily. Okay. Um, ever since the you know pandemic started, everybody you know everybody's hobby had to figure out a way to go virtual. Yeah, there were some companies who were ready for it. There's a company named Roll Twenty that uh, decided that was like helped people have not only video chat but use a game board, um, you know, in and a map because that's a big part of the game. Because oftentimes, you know, it's called a tabletop role playing game for a reason because mm-hmm. oftentimes you're using a, a map on the table. Okay, but it can happen in a regular Zoom call or a Discord channel or anything like that. It's um, it's been able to adapt and really thrive in those under those conditions. Have you ever? Okay, so is there guys on your current team on the Browns that play as well? There are. It actually got um, featured in a Sports <laughs> Illustrated article that came out last fall. Oh my goodness! It was very crazy. Um, the night that I scored a touchdown, I wore a Critical Role shirt. Okay. <laughs> And because it was their season three uh, premiere, uh-huh. uh, that got a lot of attention. And since because of that, uh, my D and D group with my team felt like they were they were okay to like reveal themselves. I never <laughs> wanted to out them as nerds. But Miles Garrett and Wyatt Teller, some of our pro bowlers, uh-huh. uh, have played D and D with me. Um, we made it, uh, I think, like six sessions the last two years. It's hard to be able to have a normal schedule with it. You know, a lot of people like to have it weekly or biweekly. We've only been able to have like about six sessions the last two years, but they really love it. I had a lot of fun being able to run the game for them. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I sent out on Twitter that like, hey, you know, this is our group and it has Miles in it, it has Wyatt in it, it has uh, uh, Miles' uh, girlfriend, Sarah, and uh-huh. uh, best friend, Jeremy. And uh, we have a lot of fun being able to do it over at Miles' house. And, um, you know, it just goes to show that, like, the borders and, like, the labels that people give between nerds and jocks, yeah. like, it doesn't exist. It's not something that, like, it's not a binary or, you know, the labels aren't uh, so definitive that you can't be one or another. I'm, I can be a nerd. I can be a jock at the same time. Yeah. That's what, how long do these sessions take? Are they long? 
I mean, most people like to go around three hours. Oh, wow. um, okay. I like to have my sessions between three and four hours. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to rush and, but it. it. Then it's like an over, it's an, it's an, you know, it's a campaign that goes for several sessions. Um, yeah. Six sessions can be like kind of a mini campaign, but my, yeah. the game I run for my family my fiance and her brothers, um, that's been going for over 40 sessions and started in 2020. Wow. That's wild. And you guys, and you just keep coming back to it and it keeps going and changing and that's crazy. Yeah. You know, you make your character and you really fall in love with it. You fall in love with the storylines, yeah. fall, fall in love with the, you know, not only the feeling, but like, you know, the NPCs that, you know, I do all these crazy, funny voices and uh, <laughs> make my family laugh or to make my friends laugh. Have you ever thought of doing, getting into voiceover work? There are, there are a lot of people who have wanted to get into voiceover work because they love D&D so much. I am not one of those people. <laughs> okay. I think be, maybe be a cameo or something like that. I will never say no to it. But I know that there are much more uh, talented people than me who are very, very uh, well versed in voice acting. Who, and wow. I'm like, I'm good. Like, I don't need to. I don't need to jump in that. I just, I like the hobby. <laughs> after you scored that touchdown and you're wearing this shirt, and then it becomes, and then maybe even after the article comes out, did you have any other players from around the league reach out as being fellow, you know, D and D people or? There's one person um, who is not in the league anymore, Travis Fredericks, uh, former O-lineman for the Cowboys. And he was a he was a pro bowler. He was an all-pro. Yeah. Dude was a great player, um, but never revealed to his teammates that he was a huge D&D nerd. <laughs> and since then, he has helped start a company called Demiplane, which, um, you know, works as an online service for uh, different role-playing games. Uh-huh. And um, he's definitely in the uh, in the space now. Um, so he's the only one that I've heard of. Um, him, my buddy Andrew, who works for Dwarven Forge, mm-hmm. did it with, um, with uh, Travis and Miles and me. Um, all three of us were just talking, you know, all three football players talking about Dungeons and Dragons the whole time. Yeah. So that was... That was really fun. Um, I think I need to get some more players around the league to be able to play, though. I think, I mean, you're definitely opening up the space where it's it's cool to to unleash it, unleash the inner inner nerd, if you will. But I, I got to ask you, who would be somebody if you could, as you say, run a campaign? And if I don't say the terms correctly, make sure you correct me. No, you're doing great. These are new terms. Um, if you were to run a campaign for anybody, you know, whether it's a current player or a past player, who is someone that you would love to to see at the table? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> That's I a think tough one. Marshawn is an easy answer. I would love to see Marshawn Lynch just get into character. Oh. I loved him on Murderville recently. <laughs> he did such a great job. Um, so I think he's uh, he's definitely somebody I'd love to see play D&D. That would, I didn't, like, of all the people I thought you were going to say, that did not cross my mind at all. That's wild. That would be, I think that's the kind of thing he could get behind. He loves creative stuff like that. And oh, yeah. he doesn't care, you know, what people think. So I could definitely, oh my God, that would be epic. I was, I was sitting here thinking you're going to say like Andrew Luck or I don't know. And, but no, Marshawn Lynch. Okay. As long as you have, as long as you have some Hennessy out for him, I think that you'll oh, be good. Oh, at the table, drinks at the table are a very common occurrence. Is, yeah. I was going to say that's probably like a fair game type thing, right? Definitely. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and coming on the podcast. Like this is great for all the people that listen, you know, and it's cool to see another side of you and I'm excited to, to watch next season and, and maybe are, are you going to wear that shirt? Is that shirt like a lucky shirt now or what? <laughs> it might just be, but, um, I don't know. I might have to, uh, rep, uh, D and D space in some other ways. Uh, definitely love critical role, but they, they don't, I don't think they need any help with their uh, advertising <laughs> That's they do fair. A great job themselves. So, um, I'll figure out something though. Oh, we can't wait to see it. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and, uh, we'll We'll be in touch soon. Yeah, thanks so much. All right, that was the man, the myth, the legend, Johnny Stanton, fullback for the Cleveland Browns, breaking you off with some fullback knowledge and teaching yours truly a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons, the tabletop role play game, which Gotta say, that's a uh, sideline sass first. But that's the thing about fullbacks, you never ever know what they're going to say or what they're going to do or what they're going to be interested in. They're Renaissance men and Johnny Stanton is the perfect example of that. So big shout out to him for that interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We're going to keep this podcast rolling though with yes, another fullback. So stay tuned. Next up, we are going to have Kansas City Chiefs fullback Mike Burton on and uh, maybe I'll throw some D&D questions his way. I don't know, but stay tuned.
We're going to keep this fullback train rolling in this episode as I am joined by yet another NFL fullback, Mike Burton from the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome to the Sideline SAS podcast. How you guys doing? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Of course. I am so excited because we've been going back and forth talking about this for a while, and I know you're a busy guy, but let me just congratulate you on re-signing with the Chiefs. How exciting has this been in the last week or so? Yeah, very exciting. Um, it was a place that I wanted to be, um, and it's just a great fit for me. Love mm-hmm. the team there. Love the culture. Love the coaches. Um, you know, to be part of that type of team that always has a shot to win the Super Bowl um, is very special. So very excited to get rolling, you know, back to work with these guys in the next couple of weeks. One of your biggest things, you and I'm not going to, it's not weird, but I definitely watched interviews um, when you first signed and yeah. like all of your stuff to try and you know, get some background. And so I'm going to throw some things at you that you were kind of be like, wow, what is this girl? Where is she reading this? But um, we talked, you talked about in your kind of first interview when you signed with them and initially about being um, a four phaser. And I thought that was such an interesting term. So I'm curious if you might like walk me through that terminology as a fullback and then what of the four phases do you think is your strongest phase and like how would you rank them and one that you're working on, I guess would be the question. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I guess I'll start with that last one. I- I'm working on all of them. <laughs> okay. I'm improving, but Basically, four phasers that you're starter on kickoff, kickoff return, punt, and punt return, right? Okay. So I think a fullback and really any position who's not a starter in terms of playing 50, 60 snaps a game, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have value and provide value on game day. And the way to pick up more snaps, more reps is by being a four phaser. You know, you can get upwards of, you know, 15, 20, 23 snaps a game on special teams, add another anywhere from maybe 10 to 15 to 20, depending on how the offense uses you, you know, on as a fullback and then boom, you know, you're in that, that 40-ish, you know, 45 or 50-ish range. So it's really important to me to be able to be a guy who can be counted on to be a four-phaser. Um, you know, it's something that I think can elongate your career. You know, mm-hmm. you can play a lot longer if you provide value there. And I just, I, I learned that at, at an early age and mm-hmm. it's something that I really take to heart, really take to focus. Um, and, and not only that, but the importance of special teams too, just mm-hmm. as a whole, you know, it's one third of the game and you can win and very well lose games on special teams. You just take a lot of, take a lot of pride in that. So very important to me, um, you know, not only personally, but but to help my team win as well. Um, so, is that something that you picked up from? What, like a big question, and did your dad, uh, a River Hawk himself, did he ever play special teams, or was it just running back stuff for him? So. I'm, he was actually so he did play special teams. Okay. He was the kicker, punter. So he was, you know, not necessarily a four phase guy. Okay. <laughs> uh, he played quarterback, running back, and he kicked and punted. So that was kind that's of that's wild. He played. Yeah, I know it's crazy. <laughs> um, well, I punted and kicked in high school as well. Okay. And then obviously when I got to Rutgers, I did not do those things. Just right. Played fullback <laughs> and special teams. Um, <laughs> But it's just something I learned, uh, mm-hmm. you know, some really good veterans that I played with when I was younger and even at Rutgers, you know, again, just talked about in the NFL, like you need to be able to provide value mm-hmm. and the more you can do, the better. Right. So I don't know if we'll touch on this, but just the versatility of the fullback position, mm-hmm. not only being able to block, but to be able to run the football, catch the football, pass block, run block. And then in addition to that, a special team. So Angels need versatility and value, and the more you can do, you know, it okay. just gives you a better chance to make a roster and play. So those things I'm always focused on and, and always thinking about, make sure that I'm, you know, taking care of that business. See, these are good things for young fullbacks out there because there are yeah. young fullbacks out there, as we established. Yeah. Um, it's good things for them to know. And I think everybody knows you need to be, a, like, able to play that special teams if you're a fullback and just kind of embracing that. Um, but it's good to hear it in, you know, in practice that that's, this is what happens. So, okay. If you could build, this is an off the cuff question I just thought of. If you could build like out your, your phase skill set and your, your fullback skill set by sampling different um, parts of the fullback game from different fullbacks, like that you've watched or that you look up to admire, 
how, who's, I mean, obviously we know you're incredible. So you got to put your skill set aside. And if you're looking at taking things from other fullbacks that you've watched, how would you build that perfect person? Like who would you take, whose skill sets would you take? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's yeah, great question. <laughs> okay. um, like is this is mortal question. combat of fullbacks right now. And we're picking yeah, who, who, <laughs> like, who would I take and kind of build that prototypical fullback is kind of what you're saying. Kind of. Um, yeah. And you're sampling like, okay, I'm going to take Ryu's like, you know, f- power and like this guy's blocking and this guy's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh man. There is <laughs> a pull from, from, from quite a few guys Okay, um, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, looking a little bit older, yeah. like I'd take Vontae Leach's blocking, his power. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was great in the run game, probably one of the better blocking fullbacks, at least of my generation. You know, Mike Allsop, the way he ran the ball, mm-hmm. you know, some could argue he was, a little, you know, did some stuff in the running back position, but, but right. was an excellent runner. Um, here's a throwback for you. Corey Schlesinger, oh. Detroit Lions, <laughs> another just hammer on the run game. You know, his power, but he also caught a lot of balls, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I would throw him in there. And then, you know, look, right now, mm-hmm. there's a ton of backs um, yeah. in the league right now from Kyle Juszczyk, Keith Smith, CJ Ham, Al Ingle, Andy Janis, you yeah. know, Johnny Stanton, um, <laughs> Jakob Johnson. You know, the list really goes on. And, and sorry if I, I forgot anyone, but, you know, there's just, there's a lot of great players. Yeah. Um, and they all do things really, really well. Also, you know, Jesus' athleticism obviously sticks out. You know, Pat Ricard, just re-signed with Baltimore, you know, his power, his yeah. strength, his size, you know, what he's able to do, um, you know, is being a bigger guy, right? You know, mm-hmm. closer to 100 pounds. Being able to move like he does it is very special. I think Keith and Alec and CJ can do everything really well. Mm-hmm. They block well, they can pass well, they can run their athletic. Um, and then again, the common denominator, you know, amongst all these guys is they can they can all play special teams. They're yeah. all great dudes and, and they all, you know, work hard. They're all leaders. You know, if you ever hear anything about them, they're all locker room guys, you know, some of them are captains, stuff like that. So um you know, it's hard to just pick one. I know, know I put but, you on the spot um, there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's just the combination of, uh, of everyone I named and some of those older guys too. Yeah, um, I would say for sure. That's funny. Well, I I think you handled that with all of the grace of a fullback, definitely in in yeah. answering that. Um, but that's kind of an interesting thing. I'm gonna have to put that on Twitter. Like, build your perfect yeah that's a great question oh, there's something you. you would have to kind of think about and maybe look through Lorenzo Neal Lorenzo Neal I was going to say Lorenzo oh. years, 16 years I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he played so you got to throw Lorenzo you know Lorenzo Neal in there obviously that's um, funny so, look yeah if I was able to kind of sit down and, and go through maybe the last like 20 30 years maybe up until like the 90s then yeah. I would I would have a much better okay well we'll circle back and I'll give you some yeah. time to think about that and then we'll we'll come back later and at another date and we'll talk about building building a fullback. Maybe we can get some other guys in on this because you know what's crazy? I was actually at the Super Bowl down there covering it and I I was telling you, you know, Johnny Stanton was on before you and I I had not met him prior but we met in an event at the Super Bowl and at that very same event I met, I was able to hang out and talk to three different fullbacks and and, yeah, it's like a social event. It was a gifting seat and like a, you don't necessarily think of fullbacks like making the rounds like that at, at you know events right. like that, you know, with sure, red carpets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But everyone's like, oh, there's no fullbacks in the Super Bowl this year, and I was like, there were plenty around the Super Bowl. So you know, yeah, Keith, yeah, Keith exactly. Smith was there. Yeah. Um, Gabe Neighbors, have you have you met him? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. From the Chargers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So it was Gabe it was a young guy. Yes, a young guy. And and I'm starting to learn like the newer generation, but it was great to see representation. So you're talking, I mean, you're naming off so many guys in the league. My question is this: the biggest kind of fallacy around the position is that it, it's dead, it's not here anymore. You know, we'll get into the college football football aspect of it and why people think that killed it but people argue that NFL teams don't use them and it's just it's simply not true a and you're living proof that that's not true but and I wonder if you might address this I was talking to a guy at a bar the other night and I'm telling him about you because I'm like oh I'm so excited for this interview you know I'm gonna talk to this guy and he's like well 
I didn't know that the Chiefs use a fullback. Now, obviously, this guy's not very bright. And I said, if you look at Andy Reid, like you've said in many interviews, he's a huge fullbacks guy. I mean, he's always, always been, always used the position. He's like, well, does this guy line up behind Mahomes? And I go, I start, I just turned away at this point. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Because, like, you line up differently. So how would you then explain that to someone like that that doesn't understand? Fullbacks are still being used. Yes. Obviously, in the NFL, I think there's upwards of over 20. Right. And and then still being used in college as well. But I think just the description and kind of what they're labeled as, you hear H-back, you hear tight end, you hear flex, you hear those different positions and they kind of hang, you know, they align off the wing, off the tackle or right behind the guard, but like three yards up. It's not your traditional eye, you know, three point stands, hand in the dirt. So the common fan would, would, doesn't see that and right. when they watch it on the screen or film or whatever right they're not saying oh that's not a fullback that's another position right, right. So i think i think like unless you study it and watch the tape and break it down look at the scheme and stuff then i think there is a little bit of a misconception that fullbacks aren't being used i mean you know there's a two there's a few ones i know i think what two got invited to the senior bowl this year Jeremiah Hall, maybe. Yeah, Jeremiah Hall. Yeah. Yeah, Connor Hayward out of Michigan State. Like, they're not, like, I'm sure if you put on Oklahoma film. Yeah. Maybe he wasn't lining up five yards deep hand in the dirt. I, but, like, he was doing fullback stuff. He's more than capable of doing those types of things. Like, so, like, someone might be like, oh, Oklahoma doesn't have a fullback. Or, in fact, like, they do have, he's just athletic. He can do different things. So, um, you know, it would definitely be a nice personal conversation, I guess, if I was with him to be able to explain that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, unfortunately, that's kind of the way it's, the way it's been, that there's this misconception that it's kind of dead. Right. Um, and so. it's just, it had to adapt or die like anything yep. in any yep. phase of life. And, and that's what, you know, Matt Drinkall and I really talked about is his biggest question is like everybody in the backfield moved three steps, Right. So the quarterback, you know, he moves back and he's still a quarterback. The running back moves, you know, shifts to the side. He's still a running back. But the fullback, they take two steps and at an angle and all of a sudden they're H-backs, you know. And and why did we have to create this new name for the same position just because they're taking on more different responsibilities and stuff? You're doing the same things that fullbacks have always done, just having to add a little more to the list, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think, it's crazy. too, well, that's what goes back to my point about the versatility, right? right. Like, I think there's this sense of, I want my guy to do, you know, different things, right? Like, it's not just that downhill, smash, smash yeah. kind of old school, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's, you know, that's still implemented, you know, in the league today. But you got to be able to do different things. You know, he's got to be able to run. He's got to be able to play in space. He's got to be able to catch the ball and mm-hmm. out. You know, because, you know, you need a guy when you're coming on the field, the defense can't cue on, okay, well, this is obviously a run, right? Like, it could be a pass. Yeah. It could be, a, you know, a screen. It could be a draw. Like, it could be a different things. Um, but the only way you do that is you have a guy who's so versatile. And that's mm-hmm. why I like juice up and say in Fran, right? Like, mm-hmm. You know, they come out, it's 21 personnel to the defense, but they could be running, he could be flexed out wide as a number one wide receiver, and they got the defense stuck in base. Yeah. So it just, it's, can re- the you know, the fullback position can really use as a positive. Yeah. If you have a guy who can, you know, do multiple things. So. I mean, and that's true of like anything, you know, I'm a huge right. kicker, punter, long snapper girl, but it has to be someone who, can do those things well and correctly to make it an advantage, you know? So yeah, exactly. And that's wild. Do you ever see, I don't know if this, this might be off the cuff, but long snappers now they have like, they've turned into a blocking position as well. Like I, you know, I was talking to Blake Ferguson about it and he's like, we have to be able to block. Have you ever thought about giving your long snappers some blocking lessons? Some tips. That's actually interesting that you bring that up because after the snap, right, that's obviously their, their most yep. important thing and they're focused on that. It, it goes to blocking mm-hmm. because the way pump return teams now, you know, that phase of the game, mm-hmm. like the, how good the coordinators are across the league, like they're skating up great block, like great blocks. Mm-hmm. But they're also the personnel. Yeah. I mean, the way the game's changed in terms of who's playing special teams now, right? Like it's your fifth, your sixth linebacker, your fourth or fifth defensive end, safety, like – 
but they're all guys, big bodies who yeah. can run, who are long, right? You put them in the A gap, leave the center on an island, right? So <laughs> they have to be able to block. Um, yeah. And that's something that they emphasize and work on all the time. And something I've really noticed probably the last like couple years in the league. And then on top of that, they got to be able to run, you know, play yeah. in space and, and cover a little bit. So they're also a unique position too. Um, you know, they got a lot on their plate as well. Yeah. So, you got to invest in long snappers, long snappers, man. It's important. I'm yeah, absolutely. full-on believer in that. Is. A question then about fullbacks. So what does your buddy, your quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, think? So, cause, because quarterbacks, if you ask them about fullbacks, they're very adamant that they're an important part, not just because of, like you talked about, the dynamic level you bring, but you guys create – issues for opposing defenses because they have to prepare for you on every, you know, down what you're going to do, whether you're going to roll out, whether you're going to block, you know, God, God forbid, carry the ball, whatever you do, the defense has to prepare for all those schemes. So would you say, you know, Mahomes is like a pro fullback? I mean, like most quarterbacks, he's a pro fullback guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think so for sure. I mean, he's, you know, since he's gotten Kansas City, you know, Anthony Sherman was his for a while. Right. You know, Anthony was, was a guy there who played at a high level for a really long time, great leader. Yeah. You know, so I think Pat, you know, having been Casey is, is used to having that fullback position. Um, you know, and I think it could be advantageous, you know, to him and to the offense be, just because, you know, when you go out there with one, they can do, like you said, fullbacks can do different things, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think, you know, run game could be a quarterback's best friend. So if you're able to get the two-back run game going, I think that's important. And then you add on to the two-back play action just kind of, you know, puts the defense on their heels a little bit, don't know what to, ex- you know, expect. Yeah. Comes down a little bit when you come out base personnel. So, you know, I think and I hope at least <laughs> that, uh, a majority of quarterbacks, um, you know, are fullback fans. Yeah. You know, for sure. But uh, it's also our job to to make sure we're, we're doing good things and putting good things on tape to um, you know, make yeah. the quarterback want, you know, want us out there and the coaches and teammates and stuff like that. So, you know, we, we, we play a role in that as well. Well, your teammates definitely you know, want you out there. And speaking to off the field stuff, one of the things that stuck out from your Twitter feed is I saw Tyron Matthews say, you know, when I coach, I want at least 12 Mike Burtons. Do you, do you remember that tweet? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm sure when you went through my social media, you didn't find me. I'm not a huge social media guy. Uh, not really much on Twitter or uh, on Instagram. I kind of stay away from stay away from that stuff. But that's fair. I did see that. Um, well, because I had a bunch of people kind of reach out and, and show me that tweet. And I yeah. For that. Um, yeah. I mean, look, that that kind of stuff. Um, you know, from your teammates, especially mm-hmm. a, a person like him, a player like him. That's that's you know something that excites me the most. You know, just yeah. because how great of a leader he is. You know, how great of a player he is. You know, how long he's been around um, to to see, speaking someone who's you know not in the limelight and and um, you know not maybe making the the crazy plays that he is or other offensive guys are making. But mm-hmm. if you notice that, I think just really showing the type of person that he is. Yeah, great leader. My guys love playing with him and for him. So, yeah, that was definitely um, something that was exciting for me when uh, he said those things. It was very, very nice. Now, what's something? Obviously, he's complimenting your work ethic and your, you know, attitude and everything. What's something that you would go to him for? He's saying he wants to coach guys like you. What was something you would go to him for advice on or help with? Yeah. Yes. I could also go to him for the work ethic. Yeah, of course. His yeah. intelligence, too, by the way, is, is unmatched. Uh, he's as smart as they come on the defense side of the ball. So I could go to him for mm-hmm. film study, mm-hmm. for anything football-related, okay. for sure. Um, but, yes, I to your point, I could definitely go to him for um, to step up my um, my dressing and that kind of stuff for sure. Not that you um, need to step it up. That, that was not not my point drip, at all. But drip, you know, yeah. something that they say. Yeah, I could go to him and, and maybe add that to uh, to what I got going on for sure. That would be. So yeah, he's definitely very fashionable and yes. and dresses you know like a professional. That's that's for sure. That so. would be a really fun. Uh, swap. You guys yes. should oh, yeah. dress each other for what before a game sometime and see what yeah, happens. Yeah, for for our away flight or something for sure. <laughs> that would be. We should just have a yeah. dress like a Mike Burton day for the Chiefs, 
and then everyone yeah. can show up in their their best fullback gear. Very, yeah, very basic. <laughs> Not, not nothing too crazy. So. No. What's the go-to? I mean, it's so crazy watching how fashion has turned into this big element of professional sports. You look at the NBA, and it's like it's like a fashion every time they walk in. And I know the NFL, especially when you go on away trips, like that's a big component. Is that like something that you just don't worry about? Like, how do you get through that part of it? Do you have? Do you pick your own outfits? Like, what, what's the deal with that? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Um, I have a few suits that I've kind of okay. um, gotten over the years and stuff like that. And I kind of just rotate through there, okay. you know, through those. Um, you know, I keep it pretty basic when I'm traveling. Um, you know, truth be told, you know, for me, it's really a business trip. Right. Right. So it's not, I'm not going to do for you know, personal pleasure or vacation or something like that. It's right. very um, business like minded. So that's fair. That's not really my thought process. I kind of what I'm wearing and stuff like that. So I just go very basic suit, make sure I look professional and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, uh, follow the, the dress code that's put in place by the team. And, um, I'm kind of going my way. That's kind of, to be honest, that's kind of my, my mindset, thought process on that, you know, when traveling. No, that, and that makes 100% sense. You remind me yeah. of a kid. There, I was at this uh, event. It's called the College Gridiron Showcase. It's kind of like a senior bowl yeah. type. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's getting real big now. It's, it's you know, for guys that didn't get invited to senior bowl whatnot, they can yep. show off their skills. And they have a day where all of the players go in and meet with scouts, you know, and it like you said, it's a job interview for the most part. And there was one kid who showed up in a full suit because he's like, I'm going to a job interview. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that wild? Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) That kind of reminds me of what you're saying. So that's, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. I want to switch gears a minute. I know you're a Jersey native. That's and, right. Right. That's well. Just that's the fact. That's that was it. And you know, you okay. went to <laughs> you went to Rutgers. Um, now I you're in Kansas City. In Maryland now, though. Wait, what? I will say I live in Maryland now, though. Oh, you live in Maryland? Okay. Yes, I moved to Maryland with my wife in nineteen, and now we're here with my wife and my daughter. Now, yeah, we live in Maryland now. Okay. So, um, but I am from New Jersey. Yes. And. You know, but I, you know, I live in Maryland now. Not okay. New Jersey, so. Well, all right. You, you spent formative that. years of your life in New Jersey. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. Miss Jersey a lot. Yeah. yeah so my, my question was going to be, because you, you're now in a place, like when you're in season in Kansas City, um, very different and especially food wise. So I would be curious if there's something that you could bring um, from New Jersey out to, you know, cause obviously Kansas city known for its barbecue, that kind of stuff. J- Jersey's not, it's, it's different. Nope. What's something like a food, something that you would want Kansas city to do better or to bring out like that you would bring out there if you had to open up like a, a food shop there? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I would say, I swear Kansas if you say pork a- roll, I'm going to lose it. No, okay. definitely not pork roll. Okay. Ham. That's one. <laughs> Two, Kansas City's definitely known for their barbecue for sure. Yes. Excellent out there. New Jersey, I'd say, is known for like their pizza. Okay. New, New Jersey, New York is known for their pizza. So maybe bringing that out there, you know, from, from the East Coast out there to the yeah. Midwest would be would be good. You know, the pizza side of things for People sure. People say and that the Joe best Ham. pizza is in New Jersey. Like I have heard the origin of the best pizza is actually in New Jersey, not New York proper, like people think. I would no. I agree with that. Okay. New York is good pizza. Yeah. New Jersey's better. Okay. <laughs> I'm not from there, so it's hard for me to say. But the truth is, the I don't know what it is, but in my opinion, the closer you get to the shore, down by the beach, the pizza is very good. So I'm more North Jersey. So okay. I'm, I'm anywhere from like 45 to an hour and a half from a beach, depending on which one you go to. Okay. As you get down there, just like down by the shore piece yeah. is great um <laughs> on the boardwalk piece is great yeah it's just it's it's really good down there yeah. boardwalk pizza where is the go-to barbecue spot in kc like what's your favorite one are you allowed oh, to even man. i don't know if you want to ostracize other barbecue places but yeah i really don't okay that's uh, fair there's a lot of good spots if uh, i were gonna go to to kc which you know so i've been out there a bit I go, i'm a huge kansas jayhawks Fans, so okay, I've, yeah. I've covered stuff in Lawrence, and I spent little time in KC, but not enough. I'm going to go back for sure. Like, where is the place you would tell me to go? Gate, uh, Gates is good. Q9 okay. or Q39 is good. 
Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, there was a few okay. other ones that I got recommendations for, but those were the two that uh, I remember someone mentioning to me. Okay. And I, um, I, my family's been in town and they've been to both. Okay. Uh, I can't. So, and they said it was really good. You know, I had some leftovers and stuff, so it was it was good. Um, but those are the two that I can remember. That was I'm gonna have to try. I. I went on Twitter and said, you know, this upsets a lot of people, but I swear to you, Mobile, Alabama has the best barbecue I've ever had in my whole life in all of these travels. Yeah. Dreamland barbecue. Just phenomenal from like, okay, the type of meat, the sauce they use, but then also like the sides and the dessert, because I think that's important for the whole meal to be good, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But that made yeah, people... So Gates and Q39 okay. are two ones that I can recommend. All right. Yep. Okay. I'm definitely going to try those when we go out there. Um, nice. All right, just one or two last questions. I wanted to ask you a little bit about what you do with Mike's Nights. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I was very interested to see, you know, the Embrace Kids Foundation and, and you having these camps for kids to fight against pediatric cancer. Yep. How did you get involved in that? Is that something that you're passionate about? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like you said, I partnered with Embrace Kids Mm -hmm. and started my foundation, partnered with them. But Mm -hmm. the part of my foundation is Mike's Nights. And I started doing football camps and all the proceeds went to Embrace Kids and they went towards kids who were and families who were dealing with pediatric cancer. You know, whether it would be to help pay for bills Mm -hmm. or just to get school supplies if the kids weren't able to get into school. They were doing work from the hospital, so on a range of different things, you know, to help just make their lives a little bit easier through all the difficult times that they're going through. Um, and this kind of started back at Rutgers when I was a freshman at Rutgers. I would visit um, the Children's Hospital oh, wow. as often as I could, and it was always, you know, uh, seeing kids you know, with cancer, and it just stuck with me. Just you know, seeing how difficult and struggle that was kind of going on yeah uh, not only with them with their family and loved ones and close ones you know i always told myself if i ever got to a platform where i could help and make a difference you know i would do that and the first summer out you know the first summer of my rookie year I had a camp back in my hometown you know partnering with embrace kids and there's a few other Rutgers guys who are also partnered with mm-hmm. embrace kids as well i think devin and jason mccordy they do sickle cell okay. um and it's been great, and I've really enjoyed it. And it's something that I hadn't been able to uh, do the past summer because of COVID. Yeah, but something I'm definitely going to pick back up and even try to get it down here in Maryland now too, and try yeah. to spread it out and, and, and make it even bigger. That's awesome! What a so, yeah, a great cause to do that for. And that's cool yeah, that you absolutely. got involved in it in college. You know, that's something. Yes. Yeah, I think is interesting. Um, but speaking of the college stuff, you know, now you have, it's so different from when you were in college with the NAL stuff and, you know, transfer portal, all, all of these different tools that young players have. Um, first, if you had to have an NIL deal in college, what do you think you would have worked with? That's a great question. Thank you. Um, it's tough because, you know, you weren't thinking about that at the time. It's, it's changed no, a lot. I, I yeah. absolutely was not thinking about that. And I <laughs> Yes. So maybe you would be one of the guys that doesn't. You know, there's a lot of guys out there that have said, come out and said, you know, we don't, we don't really necessarily want these deals because we're here to focus on football and school and, and not worry about that. So, I mean, maybe you would be one of those guys. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. I think I would have tried to at least partnered with someone or some company that would have kind of helped me with my career and helped me with football. So okay. maybe nutrition performance yeah. gym like something like that I think I probably would have been interested in and probably would have done because I think that maybe would have helped me you know achieve some of my goals you know football wise so yeah. my thought probably would have been in that space um, if I had that opportunity back then that sounds right that sounds like yeah. keeping your head and eye on the prize that, that makes sense yeah exactly <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time, you know, to talk about the position and and everything that you've got going on. So excited to watch you in Kansas City um, next season. It's got to be an exciting time for fullbacks. 
Yes, very exciting time. Look, Pat, you know, Ricard signing that deal, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of days ago is definitely relevant for the position, you know, Juice had last year. You know, it just it shows the importance, mm-hmm. you know, the position and it, it's just keeping it going along. And there's a lot of young up and coming guys, you know, the veterans are still in the league are still playing at a high level. So it's really, you know, great to see the success from these guys and kind of earning that money and doing doing different things so um really great group and uh we just hope we can continue it and uh, add more guys to it and there's years to come there's a lot of young guys out there that you know i get approached all the time by guys in high school and that want to make it and like you talked about two guys that were at the senior bowl what is one like a piece of advice you give to these young fullbacks that want to you know follow in your footsteps yeah, I mean, I kind of touched on it a little bit before, but it's really the truth. The more you can do, man, the, the more you can bring to a team, the more you are, you know, is really going to help your cause of, mm-hmm. of making a team and sticking on a team, you know, and being a great leader, you know, being a, you know, coachable, taking coaching, being accountable, being a great locker room guy, being a professional distractions surrounding yourself with good people you know staying out of trouble mm-hmm. you know all those things um you know and just staying locked in you know it's 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 a mental grind as well as this physical to be able to stay locked in and understand the importance that you now represent something bigger than yourself right you know whichever team you have across your chest so you got to take that to heart you got to take pride in it something that you need to you know focus on and understand you know as you move forward so you know just take advantage of any and all opportunities these young guys have um just continue to keep you know and work your absolute hardest and um you know have no regrets you know uh, that was quite a few things no uh, (laughs) yeah but um i mean it's just hard to pick just one of course because i've just learned you know I just try to, you know, things that suck out to me or really helped me is what I try to, you know, stick and remember and then voice that, you know, whenever I get asked the question. So. No, that's incredible. The Mike Byrne way. You guys heard it here, and yeah. that's some good advice yeah. for everybody, pretty much, not just fullbacks. That that can be useful yeah. for everyone. So, yeah, um, absolutely. I appreciate it. Last quick question: What's your go-to yeah. pizza topping? Because we talked about pizza. What's your pizza topping? Oh, uh, meat lovers. Meat you know, lovers. Put it all, yeah, everything you got on that thing, you know, so. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. That's yeah. like the perfect Absolutely. answer. I can't even, yes. that's it. That's Absolutely. a wrap, so. Well, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Sideline Sass. Stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. We'll have another one coming at you, and, uh, you know, stay sassy. Thanks, Mike. Yep, yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>